Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. Variety of places and brought into one new humanity in Jesus Christ. And because we're in this new humanity, right, Paul encourages us, we talked about this last week, to put to death everything and anything that would bring division in that community. Right? He said, take off these things of the old sinful nature. Take off sexual immorality and, and greed and lying, right? And, and all this stuff that brings division in the things which uh, God himself is coming in judgment, right? Get rid of all that stuff, right? And put on everything that brings unity in our community. Put on love and compassion. Bear with one another and forgive one another as Christ forgave you, right? Our understanding of community and our relationships within this new community are supposed to be completely reoriented in uh, or underneath Christ, and we are supposed to live in a new way under Christ. And we saw that, that Paul, throughout this book of Colossians, is saying that it is dangerous to forget who Jesus is. Right, that we need to remember that Jesus, as we talked about in Colossians 2, is supreme in all of creation. He is the firstborn. Right? And we see that Jesus is also the supreme. He is the head of the church. And then uh, in the next section, he condemns these false teachers who have taken other things and put them equal to Jesus or even above Jesus. And he says, when you do that, when you devalue Christ's centrality, you are messing up the gospel. Right? We need to be reoriented correctly under Jesus as the supreme one. Right? And we saw last week that because of his lordship that our, the rules and expectations that we live with are different in this new kingdom community. And so today, Paul is narrowing down this focus and we're looking at uh, the household instructions. Right? And so we are uh, seeing how Paul takes these household codes, which would have been a, a pretty common thing in first century, and we see it in the first few centuries, uh, various philosophers and thinkers would talk about the household codes. How is the household supposed to be structured? And so Paul takes these relatively common household codes that show uh, this hierarchy of, on the top, the top dog is the male head of the household, Right? And then it comes down to maybe the, the wife, and then the sons, and then the slaves. And there's this very stark um, hierarchy with the man at the, the head of that. Right? But Paul reorients every single relationship in these household codes. And he shows that every relationship is now subordinate to another. That every role in the house is subordinate to Jesus Christ. And as we look at these uh, kind of rearranged household codes, we'll see that Paul reorients every relationship to Christ. Um, and that Christ, just like throughout the rest of the book of Colossians, is still central in this passage about household instructions. So I apologize, I do not have a PowerPoint today, so you can follow along in your Bible. They're paper, sometimes leather-bound with pages in it. Um, or you could pull it up on your, on your, um, your digital device. So we're going to start in Colossians 3.18. And uh, wives, 
Submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. And masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master. And here, master, the, in the original Greek, is the exact same word that was translated Lord all the other times in this passage. You have a master in heaven. And so as Paul reorients this, this household code, he mentions the Lord one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times in these few verses. Every relationship revolves and is in submission to Jesus Christ. And interestingly, that leads us into uh, chapter 4, verse 2 through 6, where Paul says, and, and now that you've gotten your community in order, you've got your household in order, right? The next step for the community is to bring good news to the lost, right? But it's important that we have these most important relationships in order before we are able to effectively reach a lost and hurting world. And so this section shows that Paul's call in Colossians chapter 3, 1 and 2 to set our hearts on things above and to set our minds on things above when he's talking about reorienting all of our uh, thoughts and our actions towards the kingdom of God, it does not mean and cannot mean that we remove ourselves from the day-to-day -day experiences of life. right? But it is uh, our Christian life... Um, is, re, is oriented towards wholehearted commitment to the daily duties of this world for the sake of the Lord, right? These relationships are where the, the rubber hits the road, you know, at, for our Christian faith, right? And we can pray a lot, and we can read the Bible a lot, and we can pray in tongues and prophesy. We can do all these things. But if our relationships with our spouse, in our kids, in our co-workers, in our bosses, in our employees aren't changed because of that relationship, then we're probably doing it wrong. Almost guaranteed. So we cannot remove ourselves from the world, but we need to uh, come and connect with the world in the right way. I've realized that I've said reorient like 700 times this morning, so I'll try to come up with a synonym. Um, Colossians 3.18 is where we're going to start today. We're going to read 18 and 19 together. Um, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And so we can see throughout the, the testimony of Scripture, especially as we look throughout the, the New Testament, that all Christ followers are called to live lives of submission. All right? Each and every one of us. We are to submit to God's laws. We see that in Romans 8, 7. Younger men are to be subject to older men. Uh, that's from 1 Peter 5, 5. We're supposed to submit to one another in Ephesians 5, 21. And uh, so 5, 21 through the beginning of chapter 6 is a very parallel uh, portion of Scripture to what we're talking about today. It's, it's uh, 
another place when Paul was writing very similar things to the Ephesians. So we can kind of bounce back and forth and compare and contrast what Paul said in Ephesians and in Colossians. But in Ephesians, he starts his his talking about household codes with you are to submit to one another. And here's what submission looks like in the husband-wife relationship and the the parent-children relationship and so on. All right, and then in Philippians chapter two, three, Paul we, he he comes in and he rejects selfishness, right? And he calls the people to live in humility in considering others as uh, more important than you, or putting their needs ahead of others, putting other people's interests above your own. So submission is part of the Christian life, and we even see that Jesus Christ was in submission. Christ was in submission to the Father. Uh, if we look at 1 Corinthians 15, 27, it says, For he, God, for God has put everything under his feet, Jesus. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. Right, And so Jesus is in submission to the Father. We see in Christ's uh, 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 life on earth, Right, the, when he was living in ministry, he said, I only do what the Father says. Right, I only do what the Father shows me to do. Jesus chose to be in submission to the Father. And we know, we certainly know that, that Jesus' submission was not weakness. It can't be. Right? He is God. And he even told us, he taught us, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And so this act of submission that all Christ followers are called to is motivated out of love. It was Christ's love for us, his love for the Father, that he was willing to to lay down his rights. And so this is our our working definition of, of submission today. It is a strong and free act of the will based on real love of the other person. Okay? a strong and free act of the will based on real love of the other. And in, in that word love, on real love, I think it, it carries so much in there, right? We're talking about trust in, in, is, a, is a very important part of this submission. And submission is also it's a choosing to value another person and to lay down your own rights for the benefit of somebody else, right? That is kind of our working definition today of biblical submission. And so as we follow Christ's example, the one who had all authority and who has all authority was willing to lay down those rights and submit to the Father's will and to choose to die a sinner's death even though he was sinless. Right? It was his love for the Father, his love for us that caused him or to submit to the cross. And there's a commentarian by the name of Kyle Snodgrass. Isn't that great? What else are you going to do if your name's Kyle Snodgrass? I don't know. He says, uh, and I've been wrestling with this. All right, so he says this. He says, for Christians, authority and submission are the same thing. Well, that's a bold statement, Mr. Snodgrass. Probably, I'm, I assume, Dr. Snodgrass. And, and as I've pondered it, and I, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, there at least at the minimum, inextricably linked for us as Christ followers, authority and submission. 
right? We, we see that we are called to be servant leaders. Any of us that's in a leadership position, any of us that is in an, a position of authority, we are called to, to lead like Christ led, right? We are called not to dominate and domineer and subjugate people, but to take on the shape of the cross, right? And to serve people, to lead them through serving, through laying down our own rights for others. And so for Jesus, authority did not remove him from the need for submission. And so absolutely, if that is true for Jesus, we as earthly people, maybe in authority or in leadership, we must understand that authority comes with a significant level of submission. Crickets. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So there are just... There's just definitely a, a cultural disconnect here when we talk about submission, right? Often the first thing that comes to my mind, right, is I think of a weaker person being subjugated, being dominated by a stronger person, right? And our culture teaches us, and we can so easily fall into this lifestyle of always looking out for ourselves first of all, and always putting our needs above everybody else's needs. Right? And it's clear that we just don't understand the fullness of what Paul and Jesus meant by submission. That's just, that's just the truth, because our culture blinds us to the greatness that is biblical submission. All right, so what is submission? Uh, so I, it's, uh, again, I just want to repeat this definition. It's a strong and free act of the will based on real love for the other person. Right? The, the person in submission isn't being subjugated. Right, They're not being dominated. It is a choice that they make. And it is a strong and a powerful choice to make. We see that in the life of Jesus. You know, it's choosing to value. It's choosing to love and to trust and to lay down our own rights for the benefit of somebody else. And I used to have a, a friend uh, that I worked with at Fox Brothers for many, many years. And he uh, had... Um, he had to take medicine for, uh, he uh, dealt with depression most of his life, and so he was on some medication. And for years and years and years, he was great, you know, and I, we, we loved working with him. I still love him. He's amazing. And it got to some point where he started distrusting the doctors. He started being like, oh, man, I was, on, I was Googling this, and I think maybe this, and they gave me this many milligrams of whatever, and maybe... I, and so he, he started distrusting them, and he started, um, what's that called, self-medicating, um, self right? And he's like, I'm going to take this and not take that. And, and he stepped out of submission to the doctor. And what happened within a couple of weeks was his, his whole personality, everything about him changed. He couldn't come to work, he had to uh, quit, and everything got messed up. It was just, everything got out of whack, right? And it was very difficult, and it's because he stepped out of this correct relation of submission. He stopped trusting the doctors, right? And so when he stepped back into submission, everything came back on track again, all right? It's kind of an example. It's hard to find great examples of submission. It was, I talked to Amber, I was like, what about this? Hmm, no. Anyway, no. Uh, uh, I am also in submission to Pastor Cameron. I'm happily and uh, so ecstatic to be, uh, to be uh, under him, and he's an amazing leader because I love him, and I know that he loves me, and I trust him explicitly. 
Right? And a few weeks ago, it was actually as I was working on the, the sermon uh, about supremacy of Christ, right? And, uh, you know, that Jesus is the, the firstborn of all creation. And I was studying and I was working on that and I had this brilliant idea and I had my notes and I had my PowerPoint and I was like, here, Cameron, oh, this is, look at this brilliant thing that I came up with. Uh, and I give it to him and normally he'll just send me like an email back and I'm like, looks great. And this time, nothing except a phone call. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that can't be. That can't be good. Uh, the, only, the, the only other time I got a, an unexpected phone call from the pastor was, oh, this was probably 20 years ago. And I was leading worship at, at, at New Day, it was RCA at the time. We had Friday night uh, renewal meetings. And we were, we were worshiping. And I was, I don't know, I was so excited that I just kicked this, the podium off of the stage. <laughs> and I went coming, I was like, yeah, this is great. You know, and I was like, that's what we do. It's a prophetic act. <laughs> I don't know what, and, and so the next day, Saturday morning, I get a phone call from Pastor Ken. He's like, what is going on? What are you doing? You can't do that. Oh, sorry. Um, anyway, and so here I get a call from Pastor Cameron, and he's like, do you have a Bible on you? I'm like, oh, oh good, this is going to be really great. I was like, all right, let me go back to the church, and I will grab my Bible, and we can talk about it. And he's just like, hey, what you had is good, but you missed the whole point. Like, every, like the stuff is good. And that's true, but that's not what this verse, these verses are about. And I was like, no, no, no. And I was like, I was starting to defend myself. And I was like, you know what? Cameron's the boss. You know, he loves me. I know that he, he loves me. And so I was like, all right. And I just scrapped the whole thing and started over with, with his input. Right? And I think that in that correction, and because I was in submission to Cameron, I was able to listen to him and to trust that he really had my best interest in mind. Right? I was able to, to lay down my own thoughts and my own ideas, and truly, in the end, I was much more successful. It was a much more accurate sermon because of that submission. Right? And so submission is healthy and good and important. And so whatever we think submission means, right, it absolutely cannot and does not mean that a husband can lord his authority over his wife. Right? Amen. Amen. Right. The, the, the husband absolutely has a, a leadership role. All right? Uh, but it is not in order to boss his wife, right, or to, to use his position as a privilege. Okay? And Jesus redefined greatness in Matthew 20 as being a servant. And as we look at Ephesians 5, 22 to 24, you can look at this some other time, uh, Paul redefines being a head, being, you know, man, uh, husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He redefines headship as having responsibility to love, having responsibility to give oneself and to nurture. And a priority is placed on the husband, but contrary to ancient society, it was for the benefit of the wife. Okay? In ancient household codes, it was there was no call for the husband to be kind or loving to his wife. That was not the important part. The important part was the man is the head. The man is in charge, and you will submit and you will obey. Right? But Paul reorients this Hellenistic household code and says, yeah, the husband has an, a, a leadership role, but it is for the benefit of the wife. And you are commanded not just to be in authority, but you are commanded to love, which means laying down your life 
for your wife. And in 3.18, wives are called to submit to their husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So Paul here is reorienting and challenging this prevailing idea that the man is the head of the house by including and indicating that there is someone that is above the husband. right? And that person that is above the husband in the family unit is Jesus Christ. And wives are to submit to the husbands as an expression of submission to the Lord. And it certainly doesn't mean that women are any less than men, right? In Galatians 3.28, Paul is very clear that he says neither male nor female, right? It's a similar passage to Colossians 3.11, you know, neither Jew nor Greek. But in Galatians, he says neither male nor female. Everybody is equal before God. There's not... There's no superiority between men or women, slave or free, Jew or Greek, right? And we just spent the last section, or Paul spent the last section of Colossians, you know, talking about the importance of unity and equality in all people before Christ, right? And so submission absolutely cannot and does not mean inferiority. He's just saying that wives submit to their husbands as an act of service to the Lord. It is their motive of submission, Uh, okay, moving on. Whoo, fun, huh? So good. Um, so in verse 19, husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Here, uh, Paul is showing that unlike these Hellenistic household codes, uh, which were preoccupied with the rights of the man, like I was just saying, uh, that the man has uh, different duties, right? The, the love has to be... Um, how do I say this? Uh, love must be the characteristic of the husband's relationship with the wife. And in those ancient conversations about household codes, love would have been completely absent from this discussion of marriage. But we can see that love is this distinctly and important foundational Christian virtue that must be the center of new humanity's understanding of marriage. And the husband-wife relationship that isn't protected by love causes pain and causes division, which is the very thing that Paul has been fighting against for the whole last chapter of Colossians. Okay, good. Moving along uh, to chapter 20, verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And so family order in the kingdom also calls for children to obey their parents in everything. Right? And here Paul is talking to children who would be still living at home and calling them to obey everything, everything that isn't sinful, of course. Um, and Paul is again affirming this cultural code of conduct of obedience to children. That was taught in, in that society, in that culture. Paul's saying, yes, th this is important. But he also then points to and, and changes the call and the expectation of the father, right? All the household codes would have had children obey your parents. You know, blank check, just do it. But Paul says, in, in addition, fathers, you need to um, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged, Right? 
And so he's calling parents not to provoke, don't to make resentful, don't make someone bitter, because being overly harsh and overly critical can actually provoke children to rebelliousness. It can cause them to lose heart in their parents. It can cause them to lose heart. Right? And we want uh, to father our children the same way that God has fathered us. He fathers us with kindness and gentleness, mercy and abundant grace. So we spent less time on that than on submission. Colossians 3.22 Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. And as we apply this verse to our our day, we normally understand the the master-slave as employer and employee. And what's interesting is that, again, Paul is changing the the focus or the motivation of these relationships. Here, the the relationship is on the, uh, the, the basis of their relationship to Christ. It is that relationship to Christ, employees, it's that relationship to Christ, slaves or bond servants in Paul's time, that are that is why you are to serve and obey your masters. It isn't supposed to be only when the boss is watching you, but all the time. Right? We are called to work as if we are working for the Lord. And there's a there's a possibility that you don't like your job. And uh, if you have ever heard me preach, you know that I went through a long long season of disliking disliking my job and I worked at Fox Brothers for a lot of years and and it was it was hard for me there was many years that was great and wonderful and it was wonder, um, amazing but those last few years it it was tough but I tried to continually remind myself uh, of of this verse right that all right this is the the job God gave me you know he's using it to support my my family you know it's it's a good job actually there's a lot of benefits to it and I tried really hard to have a good attitude I think every single day I would pray God help me to have a great attitude and to to work here uh, as if I'm working for you and it often just took a couple hours and that was I was in a tailspin. Um, but often, I was probably better. I tend, to, I tend to be a little bit harsh on myself. I probably was great. Um, and, and so I, I tried to remember that I was serving my bosses, that I was working as if I was working for the Lord. And it's okay, you know, look for a different job, but as you are there, give 100% to that place where you are and trust that the Lord is watching you. Trust that God has his eye on you and that he cares deeply for you and that he will reward you as, as you serve, right? And he will um, promote you, right? And just trust that he cares and he's watching you. And again, in ancient codes, this is where it would have stopped. But Paul, in, his, uh, in saying that you know, things are different now that we're in this new community, he goes on in Colossians 4.1, he says, Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Right? He's saying, masters, be nice, because you have a master. They're not on top 
of the, the totem pole anymore. And so again, changing this cultural norm, putting new expectations on those uh, who are in authority. And the focus for masters shouldn't be on what's best for them, what is right and fair. Uh, yeah, not what is best for them, but what is right and fair for those who are serving them. And this, in other translations, this can say, masters, provide your slaves with justice and equality. I like that, right? And so these are to be the new motivating factors for bosses as they relate to their employees. right? It can no longer be purely about the bottom line. It can no longer be, without question, the customer is always right. right? The, the boss has to take into consideration the rights and the fairness, the justice, the equality of those who he is uh, serving as their boss. Remember, Paul says, you are accountable to your master in heaven. And so, in, as we conclude here, we just want to see that uh, every single relationship in our lives needs to be reconsidered in light of the gospel. Right? No longer is the male head of the household on top and every, everyone else underneath them. Right? In Christ, there is equality of value, equality in identity. And as we said, the household codes of the first century, there would have been a lessening of value, right? The, the men, then the women, then the kids, then the, the slaves, right? But in Christ, we see that all people, regardless of gender, regardless of position, everyone is valuable and must be treated as such. Men and bosses, not on top anymore. But they are called to lay down their lives as they love honor, and value their wives, kids, and employees. And and what is radical about Paul's thought, about Paul's teaching, that we just don't grasp onto because of our culture, right, is that Paul says that wives and kids and employees and slaves, you are all valuable, right? You are all protected and given equal standing. It should have been an absolutely radical departure from what was going on in that day. And so this ordered authority structure, which I absolutely believe in, the uh, husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, I absolutely believe that this ordered authority structure um, is all under the authority of Christ, that this is part of this new humanity, this new community that God has created through Christ and that we have been brought into because we have chosen to believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Right? And as we looked at last week, this unity lays the foundation for us to fulfill our mission to bear witness of Christ. All right? So as Christ followers, you guys see I'm reading more than I normally, I don't want to mess this up. So as Christ followers, all our relationships must be reoriented on Christ. That might be the last time I say that today. Um, Christ is the center, right? Christ is the foundation and the empowerment of our marriages, of our families, and of our jobs. And these um, are not just some periphery things that get in the way of our actual Christian lives, right? These things are our Christian vocation. This is, like I said, where the rubber meets the road. Our relationships with our spouse, with our kids, with our bosses, with our employees is the litmus test for the reality of our relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And so as we leave here today, as we start wrapping up Colossians, I just encourage you to to continue maybe reading through this book and thinking, how do I reorient myself because of the gospel? Right? I said it again. How do I... how, you know, how do I live rightly in relationship in this community, or in what ways am I not doing it right? All right, so will you stand with me as we close in prayer today? Father God, we love you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our Lord and Savior. We thank you that you chose to, to humble yourself, to lay down your, your rights, uh, uh, seated, on your throne in heaven to come and be a man, and that you were willing to submit yourself to the cross, to pay the penalty so that we could be restored to the Father, the penalty that we could not and never would be able to pay. And Lord, help us to understand how significant that is and how that radically transforms our relationships with our spouse, with our kids, and at work. Lord, help us to bring you glory in every area of our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for coming this morning.